0: go. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thaddeus, uh, I've just been wanting to talk to you selfishly, watching your stuff on Twitter, whatever. And you know, we're 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 old friends, I guess we could say now, which feels strange. Uh But um, I, you know, I've had you on here before, and I'm not going to give you a a, a big long introduction besides to say that you should go check out Thaddeus's amazing best-selling book, A Renegade History of the United States. But and also to say you're these days, you're probably like the loneliest man on Twitter. I was yes. just thinking about this. Um, <laughs> conservatives hate you because you're like, hey, man, like smoke weed and go be licentious to be yourself. Li- <laughs> uh, liberals hate you because mm-hmm. you're not willing to kind of preach at people and make them feel shitty about themselves, which seems to be the the current. And,
1: well, liberal. and because I hate I hate them. That's the other. reason. Well,
0: yeah, that's true. I guess that's a small part of it. Uh, <laughs> Libertarians want to love you, but they're tormented because they just want you to bow down and say, (laughs) I refuse to defend (laughs) postmodernism and you just won't do it. And I think it's just a real, the the autistic libertarians, their their eye twitches, they don't understand it. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. for them. So you're lonely, you have fans, but you're just, you're like a man apart out there, you know?
1: Yeah, I always have been, that's the story of my life, Isaac. It's a good thing. Um, that, that's why we're talking. By the way, you're the only only friend of mine who calls me Thaddeus.
0: What, does everyone just call you Thad?
1: Yeah, but it's I feel okay. like
0: um, I guess I, I just need to join the club. No one's going to believe that you know we're you know actual friends.
1: Oh really? You're, if you I don't know it's say Thad. You know it's interesting. Um, and I hope this doesn't sound racist because it's not racist. But black people generally call me Thaddeus much more than white people. And because your name is Isaac Morehouse. I figure, you know, it's it's your inner it's your inner black souls talking there, right? Oh yeah,
0: I I have been uh, assumed (laughs) to be a black man many times throughout my life. I remember when I was like fourteen, I went I got a a job at a grocery store, and when I got there, the lady was like, "Oh, I thought you were going to be black." (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've had it many times happen. I've had students when I used to teach at Columbia. I had I had uh, I taught a course on African American history, actually. And I had two black graduate students show up the first day and be like, Oh fuck. We thought for sure you were black. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> but it worked out. So, uh, Thad, I guess
0: we can, we can say, although I yes, still, Thaddeus. I still like Thaddeus. I feel like your major thesis, um, has never been more vindicated than in 2020. And, and let me, let oh. me just, share what I, what I see that makes me think that. And then I want you to tell me if if you think this is right, (laughs) you know, your thesis is is laid out in renegade history and just kind of the, all the corpus of your work and your, your, you know, everything you're doing is more or less that the last bastion of defense and offense, the people who, who defend from, you know, tyranny and who push freedom forward are like not respectable high class, you know, good quality uh, leaders and role models. They're kind of like the riffraff. And I have noticed, I think this 2020 COVID bullshit craziness has revealed a lot of surprises to me. Um, one of them being that the greatest defenders of liberty, or at least the, the ones who are most likely to prevent uh, the worst tyrannies, turn out to be like, Hillbillies, nutcases, conspiracy theorists—like hmm. not respectable members of society, not even professional libertarians who are paid at think tanks to advocate for civil liberties—and they've all just bent it over and taken it. And yep. it's like the non-respectable kind of populist riffraff who have turned out to be like. I I guess a better resistance. Would you, would you agree with that assessment?
1: Yeah, clearly. Um, It's people who shop at Walmart, right? (laughs) It's people who shop at Walmart, which is, and you know, the, you know, the reason the left hates Walmart. Right. And the the reason that they're always talking about Walmart's labor practices being terrible and you know why, right? It's aesthetic. They don't, they can't stand the aesthetic of Walmart. They, they think that stuff is tacky. They wish that working class and poor people would buy things that were classier, that were necessary and not just sort of these, you know, frivolous baubles that are imported from China. Uh, I mean that. I I really think it's all aesthetic choices. Um, Yeah, it's people who shop at Walmart who are certainly leading the rebellion in California. Mm -hmm. You know, California is locked down as we are. It's actually there are a lot of counties in this state that are actually red. And it is the small, it's the guy who owns the bar in Chico who is refusing to lock down. It is people with mullets. It is people (laughs) with red, white, and blue socks. (laughs) It's people who listen to like cheesy country music who drive pickup trucks who uh, call their wives their old lady it's it's exactly who's at these protests against the lockdowns
0: well it's funny you mentioned that so i was thinking about your book and i was thinking <laughs> you know you've always you've always defended the people who are the um, <clears throat> you know who I'm, what's the word i'm looking for can contrarian or non-conformists, right? They're non-conformists. Once upon a time, that was people who drank, slept around, didn't have nuclear families, you know, uh, did drugs, whatever. That's no longer the case. Those things aren't really that big of a deal. Like you can do that and still be like a good member of the dominant narrative in society. Mm -hmm. And it's more like people who won't wear a mask who won't say shut up and obey the rules, right? And and no, and nothing illustrated this better than did you hear this? Um Haskins, the quarterback for the Washington football team. No. Okay, he's their like top draft pick. He's like a top five top five draft pick. He's their rookie yeah. quarterback. Uh pictures of him at a strip club leaked and the team ended up cutting him from the team. Not <laughs> because he was at a strip club because he was at a strip club
1: without a mask on. And and James Harden's in trouble for this too.
0: Yes, yes, right. they literally cut him, their number one draft pick from they the team. Him. And nobody's saying anything about players shouldn't be at strip clubs. That is like a scandalous behavior because we're not in that era anymore. The new version of scandalous behavior is having, and I literally saw someone write this in an article once, a naked yeah. face, a naked face. It's wow. dirty to not have a mask on. <sighs>
1: You're depressing me already. This guy could have been the next Tom Brady and they cut him over that. Right.
0: (laughs) I mean, I, I, I think if his play was like at the level of Patrick Mahomes, he probably would have been able to get away with it. He was, he was looking like a bit of a project, but it's still crazy to me because they got to forego a lot of money. Like, yeah, it's just a weird, it's a weird time. Wow. Well, Well, give me the optimistic take on 2020.
1: What do you see that gets you excited? I don't think you're totally. Hold on, I don't think you're totally right. What if he had been? What if there was a video of him being maskless at church? You think he would have gotten cut? Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. All right. I
0: suspect he would have gotten cut. I think yeah. the strip club. I think, I think the strip so.
1: Clubs, I think the strip club still plays a part in it. We're we're still puritanical, Isaac.
0: <clears throat> no, I don't
1: we're, disagree with that. I don't okay. disagree
0: with that. But I think it's. I think it's easy to assume. So if you're sort of a, this is what I think a lot of the liberal people that you are, you know, sort of fighting with, they assume, yes, that you were correct about the past and I side with you. People ought to be allowed to have whatever sexual preferences they want, ingest things Mm -hmm. into their bodies, right? Which Mm -hmm. I I agree, the government has no business getting involved in there, but they assume that therefore puritanicalism has been eradicated and we are all liberated. And there's a more abstract message, which is like, you're a bad person and you should feel bad about what you do in your existence, which used to be conservatives and Christians that were, that was their dominant message, which is why they were terrible at comedy. They were never funny. Right. they're Right now it's liberals. They're always telling you, you should feel bad. You're a bad person. You're killing yeah. grandma. You're killing the environment. You ought to feel bad about your existence. And I think that's sort of a broader, and I mean, the, the sexual puritanism and stuff like that
1: still plays a role, but it's shifted. So the overall principle for Puritanism and Christianity as a whole is selflessness, right? That's, that's what the new Testament's all about. That's what Jesus is about. It's about living for God. It's about living to be godly, not for yourself. Right. And that's what, and the Puritans really like crystallized that and made it militant, you know, it's this militant selflessness. Right. And that's what we get yelled at. I got yelled at on the street, not on the street. It was actually on a walking path outdoors, my girlfriend and I were walking without masks on. There was no one around. It was at 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock at night. Outside. This woman walks by us. What was the only person we saw on our walk. She walks by us and looks and says, wear your masks. Screamed at us. This was, Isaac, the third time we've been yelled at in pub outdoors. Outdoors. Someone yelled at us out of their car window. We've been outside, not near anyone else. And we've been yelled at. It's so crazy here. I can't, I am afraid of going outside. What do you think?
0: What do you think motivates that person? Let's just take that woman. Try to break down the psychology. What's going on? They
1: think we are selfish. They think we are not concerned about other people. We are not selfless like Jesus was. But what is that belief?
0: What is that belief doing for her? She wouldn't believe it if it didn't bring her some psychic benefit.
1: Making her feel well, she's superior to us. She's like establishing herself as superior to these two people. That's good. You're like one rung up the ladder of the social hierarchy. You get to go home and tell and you get to go home and tell your husband or your kids or your whoever that you yelled at these assholes on the street who weren't wearing masks. So you're a good guy and you're they're the bad guy.
0: Is isn't it a minority awesome. of people though that don't wear masks out there? Oh yeah. Because like might- usually a, a, a thing that makes you feel superior, you would want it to be something that you do and very few other people do.
1: Okay, so you don't know about the Bay Area, apparently. So well, I do, I do. I'm just you I'm lived, te- you lived here.
0: Teasing at something here. I think I'm wondering <laughs> if there's more going on than just because there's a lot of ways to feel superior to people.
1: You know what so, I mean? So you you only lived here for what was it like six months? Yeah, it was like that three was, months. Yeah. Last yeah. year, last year, yeah. Right, yeah. 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 So I mean. Yeah, you didn't get a real feel for it. So what people live for, and I grew up here, and I, I just came back to live last year here, um, they live to scream about Republicans and conservatives. Okay? They, that's what they do. They spend all day long ranting and raving about Republicans and conservatives and how evil they are. And yet, Republicans and conservatives don't exist here. they don't exist the ones that do exist they don't speak so you don't they may as well not exist there is no republican conservative with any power at all over the lives of anybody who lives in the bay area zero they are a non-entity i did not literally know a republican until i was 25 years old bro (laughs) Okay, so it's not only that they're in a minority, they don't even exist and they get yelled at. It's people here feeling really, really self-satisfied and really virtuous and really superior to all those rednecks who shop at Walmart and vote for Donald Trump and don't wear masks. It's because weird how the it's weird how selfish.
0: The mask- well, yeah, it's just weird how it took how it took that republican democrat left right narrative because at first if you remember you remember because you're out in the bay area yeah when there were like videos that are obviously suspicious of people just like collapsing in the street in china oh my god early on right no one cared except for a small number of like libertarian slash technocratic uh you know, venture capital techies in the Bay area saying, this is dangerous. Nobody shake hands. And all of the Mm. kind of mainstream sort of liberal-ish media was making fun of them. Mm. And then all of a sudden it like, everybody was like, this is the scariest shit ever. And then somehow, even though I don't really see a lot of conservatives doing a lot of defiant things in terms of breaking lockdowns and masks, maybe there are some, it became like, if, if you are at all unconcerned about, you know, COVID, um, this mm-hmm. is like a political thing. You're a Trump supporter or something. Even though I don't, I don't really see Trump, I don't follow politics closely. So you could have to tell me if I'm wrong. I don't really see Trump doing anything to like defy or, or stop any of this bullshit. I don't know. How, how, did the, how did that political association come about? I wasn't watching the news in real time to see this unfold.
1: Yeah. So when Trump, when it's first hit in like February, March, in the united states trump started talking about closing the borders and he started calling it the china virus right and people what did joe biden himself and the democratic establishment and the liberal media say you're being xenophobic and racist for calling it a china so make so pointing out what's happening in china as something that's dangerous is gauche
0: well, but, but you, I mean, let's be honest, like Trump is clearly trying to appeal to people yeah. who are like, oh my God, we're so scared of China by being, I agree, China.
1: <laughs> I agree. But I'm saying, I'm saying the videos of things happening in China, like early on, or yeah. even now, like it's not cool for a liberal to look at another country, especially another country that doesn't have white people in it and say, ew, look what's, they're doing something bad over there. That's completely not allowed. Right. And often I agree with them, by the way, I often yeah. agree with them. It's not for us to judge really other what's going on in other places. You know, that's what's but challenging that's what that
0: was. As, as like a libertarian. I hate nationalism.
1: Yeah. And I hate
0: the like China. China's not a person. Right. Like that's right. so like yo. China <laughs> did this. China is right. Right. But there's something about when sort of more liberal people react against that. They have this weird like we won't look in this direction because it, it might cause us to like think that America isn't terrible in some way or something. Like Mm. there's some, I don't know, I can't describe what it is, but there's something about it that I just, I don't want to go along with. Right. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not a nationalist, but like, I don't get this sort of self hating and like um, unwillingness to criticize any other government.
1: Yeah. I mean, well i mean so it's the chinese communist party right we pretty much all agree they're no good i mean that's not that's not china and that's not the chinese people that's certainly that's the political party that controls the government of china uh we all agree they suck um so i mean you know i've had a i have a lot of friends who are very good on foreign policy and very anti-war increasingly talk in sort of belligerent tones about China and the Chinese Communist Party. And I get nervous. I do too. Know? And I don't like it. And I and I guard against it. And unless I see real evidence that the Chinese Communist Party wants to take over the United States and force me to speak Mandarin and to work in a slave uh, labor shop, you know, sweatshop making Nikes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to be pretty chill about what's going on in China uh, until I see them building you know, more aircraft carriers than the United States has with the clear intention of and then deploying them around you know, up and down the West Coast of the United States until I see you know, that plan look like it's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like, hey, it's their country and revolutions have happened all over the world for millennia right? People who are like barefoot, impoverished peasants overthrowing their lords and masters in pretty much every country, every region of the world, right? That's happened with no assistance from anyone else, no assistance, you know, talk to the Vietnamese in the 1960s and 70s, talk to black South Africans in the 1980s and 1980s and early 1990s, right? These were completely oppressed people, by any one standard, right? And they overthrew in the Vietnamese case, they overthrew not only their own government, they overthrew the damn United States military, right? South Africa, that was the most brutal regime ever, you know. They locked people up and tortured them to death when they opposed apartheid. But guess who ended up winning that one? And they didn't there was no other foreign power that intervened on their behalf and invaded South Africa and overthrew the the apartheid regime, right? So same with China. Like, again, unless they really pose a real threat to me and people I care about, and maybe this country, I suppose, uh, I'm going to say that's for the Chinese people to figure out. Now, like,
0: yeah, I feel like the, the, a surefire way to increase the power and support of the Communist Party would be to come in and attack them from the outside.
1: Yeah, you know I mean? like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, we know this from World War II. Only, you know, less than 10% of the German population was a member of the Nazi party, right? And Hitler was not very popular and the Nazis were not very popular and Germans loved Hollywood movies and jazz music way more than they liked Nazism until the RAF, the British Air Force and the US Air Force started bombing them to smithereens and killing civilians by the hundreds Are of thousands. Are you trying to tell
0: me that Hitler stole an election?
1: <laughs> no, he won it fair and Square just like here. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh yeah. Anyway, okay, let me, let
0: me, let me ask you about getting back to the, the motivations of people who are just like, yeah, like not just pro masks and lockdowns, but there's, there's an element that people that seem like really excited about it in like a dark way. Like they want this to be a bad pandemic. And one thing that I've heard uh, that I find pretty compelling yeah. is that there's a lot of people that kind of I don't know, I guess feel disempowered or feel a lack of meaning in life. And this gives mm. them a sense of purpose. This is their storming the beaches at Normandy. This is like, right. if I get to suffer, I get to endure suffering and difficulty, staying at home in my pajamas and not working for some purpose, a pandemic, if it gives me meaning in my life. Do you think that has explanatory power?
1: Yeah. Who doesn't want to be a hero? We've all gone to the movies. The movies have heroes who save the day against all the odds, against evil, against villains, they win. Heroes. We love heroes. Who want, doesn't want to be a hero? Well, it's, it's like uh, really easy to be a hero. Now you, you wear a mask and you yell at people who don't wear masks. Super this, easy.
0: This is where you're um, again, you're kind of praising the guy who just wants to sit on his stoop with a 40 and isn't trying Bingo. to be a hero. It's like <laughs> more of that,
1: please. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. So I live in Oakland, which is like, you know, the epicenter of all political correctness. Right. Um, and, and it's also a city that's, I don't know, probably it's, it got a very large black population. Um, and every single person is left-wing or liberal. Uh, where I go shopping at Trader Joe's, it's like this little sort of outdoor mall and, It's a very busy street, commercial street in Oakland. And all through the lockdown, every single day, every single time I go there, there's a little like group of black guys, like three or four of them who hang out sort of outside of Trader Joe's, kind of on the the sidewalk, never a mask, never a mask. And they stand there, they stand drinking and talking real loud. And having a great time and laughing and shouting and yelling and talking and all night long, apparently. And does anyone say anything to them? Nah.
0: <laughs> That's so good. That gives me so much hope. That's amazing. I know.
1: So it's not just the rednecks in Shasta County. It's also the other people I see who don't wear masks are poor black folk and the homeless people. But not just homeless people, just poor black It's when I walk alone, when I walk without a mask outside, the only other people I see like that are black guys.
0: Yeah. Like, okay. Walking without a mask, downtown Oakland, your name is Thaddeus. I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So yeah, but it's there, it's that. And I think it's because black people have for a whole bunch of good reasons that we all know about have historically felt disenfranchised. I mean, in the most deep way from America, right. It has not felt like their country for really good reasons, And this is why they are my heroes. (laughs) There have been black people who have like, seized America and said, No, we belong and we want to be belong and we want to belong and we're going to protest until you make us a part of your family. Right? That's a civil rights movement. But then there's been a whole bunch of other black people have been like, fuck this place, the Tuskegee experiment. Hello? Yeah. You think you want me to take your vaccine? Good luck, bro. Like, hello, you locked up half my family in San Quentin prison. I'm not going to, I'm not down with Gavin Newsom or whoever the fuck you put in <laughs> office, you know? Uh, Joe Biden can suck my dick. You know, he, he like, he locked up like half of our people. So they're very well aware that this has never really been their country, you know? And so that's why I think the mask a mask mandate, cult, whether it's cultural or legal, is uh, of no interest to them because <laughs> they don't belong here.
0: That, yeah, that's interesting because and that's a very um in a way it's a different end of the spectrum from the other group that I would say is the most resistant to all this and like the really diehard this is my country sort of you know hillbilly patriotic type of person. Right. Um yeah, it's it's I I guess, I guess the, what what is the th- it's like the need to be seen as
1: respectable
0: and taken seriously, maybe, is the mm-hmm. is the most yeah. uh, dangerous, you know.
1: <laughs> Indeed, taken, yeah, taken seriously by those in power. Yes, being yes, being se- seen as respectable by those in power who have governmental authority, in particular. Yeah, yeah. Wow, is that a bad look? I mean, that's the that uh, I think it was Adorno, Theodore Adorno, who I hate most of his stuff, but like he called that the totalitarian personality those who want to be accepted and seen as good by by authority and power, right? Well, you know how you rise through
0: the ranks of the education system, right?
1: Exactly, Getting that's what the I was approval thinking. approval
0: of that one authority figure in the head of the classroom.
1: That's just what I was thinking, yeah. Teacher, yeah, schools, this is, plays out in schools, right? Yeah. There's the kids who are the class clowns and the rebels and the fuck-ups like me, like I was, you know? And then there are the ones who just like, they go to school and like, they do what the teacher wants, you know, and that's their mission is to do what the teacher and that's what we're told. Right.
0: And, and you're one of the outliers. Cause that type usually be the, the one that does what the teacher likes usually becomes a, an academic uh-huh. and the fuck up usually becomes like a realtor. Right. And then the academic sees that the realtor makes more money than them and concludes that capitalism doesn't work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And that rich people are evil. Exactly. Okay.
0: So I don't, I don't follow the news uh, deliberately, <laughs> although I am more aware of news items um, this year, I think, than ever before, just because so many people on Twitter that are typically not tweeting about current events are. Um, yeah. Give me a rundown, because you follow this stuff. You seem to have a, a higher tolerance than I do uh, for yeah. the theatrical, political. What's going on in politics? What, what's, what do you see on the political landscape? Ooh. What's your pulse of the, of the country?
1: Wow. A lot. Um, It's a hot mess, but I think there's some productive things that'll come out of it. Well, so you have close to 80 million people in the United States who feel like the election was stolen from them. That's number one. That's fairly a big deal. Okay. They're not going to go away. They're not going to just say, oh, well, it's fine. Like a lot of Republicans have Steve Bannon, everybody should go watch Steve Bannon's War Room, which is his uh, podcast. It's also on YouTube. Now, Steve Bannon and I are like on the opposite side of many, many issues. I'm an open borders guy. He's an anti-immigration guy. He talks nothing about, he, he loves talking about the military and World War II and the veterans and American pride and nationalism. And I'm against all those things. He wants to close the borders, not just to human beings, but to goods, the cheap goods coming in from places like China. I am 100% against that, right? However, he's convinced me that there was serious and widespread election fraud this year and that the Democrats really stole the election. Now, it doesn't matter that I believe that. It matters that, again, close to 80 million Trump voters believe that. And they're not going to go away. Now, if you want to get real dark, real fast, and I'm not predicting anything, but it is simply a fact that you have that many people who believe the election was stolen from them, all of whom own guns. (laughs) (laughs) That's who owns guns, Trump supporters. Okay. They think it was rigged and stolen after by the way after being accused for four years of being russian agents and traitors and racists and nazis no one's been treated worse in american history than trump supporters over the last four years wow even hell no even if you have a even if and i'm not i would never vote for trump i'm
0: Uh, low you don't need to you don't need to explain to me that you're not a trump supporter i know enough about you to know that anyone who says that is just a moron
1: completely clear yeah i mean as i said like on bannon's politics which are trump's politics i am like on the other side the opposite side from them i am way farther from trump by the way than democrats are (laughs) politically oh yeah way way farther way farther so um that's uh that's gonna be ugly man and they're also really pissed off about the lockdown too so these people are have some deep legitimate grievances and Back to the electoral fraud thing, like, you know, I'm not 100% convinced it happened. All I know is that I have seen tons of evidence presented that is at least fishy and at very least worthy of some investigation. And when they say, oh, well, the courts threw these things out, no, they threw out the possibility of looking at the evidence. They refused to hear the case. Which means they refuse to look at the evidence. So, no court has examined the evidence yet. And I'm telling you, if you watch Steve Bannon and he brings on some really smart people, and he himself is, I think, the most brilliant political strategist and thinker maybe in my lifetime in this country, uh, you'll see that it is least worthy of investigation. There is way too much shady, way too many shady numbers out there. Is Bannon the guy who. kind of advocated
0: this approach that I think he borrowed from the KGB of like, Hmm. just flood the market with so much information, real, fake, contradictory, whatever, that Hmm. you just have an environment of mass confusion and people just look for a strong leader because they don't know what to believe anymore.
1: No, I don't. I think Bannon's a very straight shooter, actually. I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. There's somebody that
0: I, I remember seeing some Somebody that I think was involved in a Trump campaign or something, a campaign manager or something like that, that, that somebody shared with me this like, and there's there's some name for it. It's a particular approach to kind of psychological operations or informational warfare, which is like mm-hmm. just put out everything, contradictory stories, true stories, fake stories, whatever, debunk them, de debunk them. So that eventually no one really has any ability to decide what's true anymore. And that's when mm. they're the most likely to just look for somebody who just has a strong, clear message and embrace well, them.
1: What you're putting forward is what liberals have been saying about Trump and his supporters for the last four years, that that and Putin, that that's their strategy. is fake, I mean, it? It, look,
0: it's a plausible. Yeah. I don't know if if anybody's intentionally behind it, but it feels as if that is the world that we live in more than any other time in my life where... Like right. say this COVID stuff, when it first starts, you see all this footage, this hospital is completely full. Then the next day you see somebody go there on YouTube and say, I'm here, it's completely empty. And right. then the next day, like one after the other, and pretty soon you're like, and then someone's like, oh, that first video was fake." Someone's like, that second video was faked. Here's proof. Right. Pretty soon you're like, I literally can only believe things that I directly physically experience myself because <laughs> everything's freaking fake. And then you see proof that there were like 300,000 fake accounts, posting the same thing on every mayoral candidates or every mayor's Twitter saying COVID's really scary, shut it down. And then you see Mm -hmm. that that was fake. It's like, you feel like you're living in a world where all information that is not firsthand is incredibly suspect.
1: You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And I don't know if that's a concentrated effort or just the result of the internet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably both on both sides or all sides, but, uh, back to politics, if you want to know the lay of the land, as I see it, you know, yeah, so, so, so you, what
0: do you think is going to happen? You think Trump supporters are going to like take up well, arms? They don't, they don't strike me as that type. They, they value the rule of law too much.
1: Let me just set the scene again. So, so you got, you got about 80 million people, right. Who feel deeply aggrieved over many issues, but most of all that they got their election stolen from them. Then on the other side, can you imagine being a liberal Democrat these days? Can you imagine that? So for years now, you have been screaming at the top of your lungs, marching in the streets, maybe smashing some windows, you're so angry about this, about criminal just, the criminal justice system, the destruction of black bodies by the police and by prisons mass incarceration, this is the worst thing that's been happening to them. I mean, in the world, according to them. And by the way, I agree in large part, this is a horrible thing that's been going on. But that's what they've said is the very worst thing that's going on. It is an emergency, right? And they elected Joe Biden, the author of the 1994 crime bill, which is responsible for most of the mass incarceration and also responsible for many of the deaths at the hands of police because it put police in front of many, many people in poor neighborhoods like black neighborhoods. And Kamala Harris, a lifelong prosecutor, who, think about this.
0: Prosecutors are the worst of all politicians.
1: But check this out, okay? So Kamala Harris is descended from Indian Jamaicans, meaning Indian immigrants to Jamaica. And Indians in Jamaica, who make up a lot of the middle class in Jamaica, are notorious among black Jamaicans for being authoritarian, anti-black racists. They're known for this. They are the shop owners. They are the, they are the principals in schools. They are, they take a lot of, they're in a lot of law enforcement positions in Jamaica. They're known for this. Now, what was Kamala Harris's first big job? District attorney, chief prosecutor in the city of San Francisco. Isaac, you live there, you know. Who lives in San Francisco? Only two groups of people at this point. Very wealthy white people and very poor black people. Okay. So if you're the prosecutor for San Francisco, what is your job? Your job is to put black people in prison. That's your job because there are no white criminals to speak of in San Francisco, unless you count like tech billionaires as criminals for being (laughs) capitalists or whatever. Right? So I don't know what the crime rates are in San Francisco by race, but I can pretty much guarantee, I'd bet my house that it is like way over 90% black and brown people who are put in prison in San Francisco. So if you hate black people and want to punish them and want to put them in cages and want cops to be surrounding them at all times, the district attorney of San Francisco is the job for you. She picked the best job in the entire country in the entire country for an anti-black racist. Why,
0: why she, so why, who pushes her as the (laughs) VP nod, right? Like, what is that, is that a, is that- a? They love her. to, To BLM or is that a, what is the move there?
1: They love her because she, she identifies as black and- I saw
0: she was celebrating Kwanzaa.
1: Yeah, she, she identifies, she went to Howard University to like burnish her blackness credentials. And she talks the talk, right? It's just like it's what liberals care about—esthetics. You know, she sounds, she puts on the black affect, and she sounds like the black lady. And my, there's, like there's my- got to
0: be some, there's got to be some, some underlying legitimate foment. Because I remember when the George Floyd video first came out, mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, this is a really positive sign." For that first week or so, people that that I could, I've never been able to get. I've been like rate about police brutality and just police in general for mm. my whole life, right? Like for right. especially the last 20 years. Right. And people that will never look at that shit. Never. Everybody was like in agreement. Like that's some messed up stuff. Yeah. Police are acting like thugs. They need accountability, mm. whatever. And I was like, there's something real here. This could be really cool. And I don't know where it went, but I feel like there has to be somewhere where there's still some legitimate like is everyone placated is everyone just fine like what changed
1: nothing changed no the prop the problem is that black lives matter and all of the concern about criminal justice has been entirely concerned about the racial disproportionality of it that's it all they care about is that there are a disproportionate number of black people who suffer this way and a lot of uh, quite a few people literally think that not a single white person has been killed or incarcerated i'm not kidding you uh, but even and, but even the people who believe that do they think that that's going to change now? I guess I don't think they ever <laughs> wanted. Well, I, I don't think they ever really wanted to change it. I think they enjoy protesting and being outraged and being morally superior and being the good people in the good evil manichaean binary. Right? There's a we think as sort of it's Christian thinking. Like there's good and there's evil. There's God and there's the devil. And like you got to you're on one side or the other. Right. And you and I are on the bad side, according to them, and that's all there is to it. And there's nothing, nothing we say that's not tainted by the devil, right? Uh, Even if we say, you know, end all the wars, bring all the troops home, open the borders to every Mexican who wants to come here. Nah, we're still, we still have some, there's something nefarious about us. So do you think all those protests were organic? I've seen I was
0: seeing people say stuff like, oh, there were like all kinds of shady people being busted in and like pallets of bricks being left around the city like this was like orchestrated or do you think it was just a organic
1: thing uh, It's very much both I think I think absolutely there were plenty of people who would have done that spontaneously so I don't doubt that but I also know it's just this is just if you can just look it up I mean. You look at George Soros's organizations and what they've given, his foundations and what they've given to just been a huge proliferation of nonprofit criminal justice organizations, a lot of them in the Bay Area, by the way, whose funding comes from Soros. So now, does that mean that Soros is evil and that Black Lives Matter is bullshit? No, but it's just let's recognize that. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, obviously, cl- plenty of people were outraged enough to go march in the streets. I don't think that was like astroturfing in itself. <coughs> um, the pallets of bricks, I who knows? My guess is that was like, if that was shady, it was probably like the Antifa types who were really a small minority. Now they're everywhere. They exist. It's a real thing, but it's a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of even the left wing. They probably planted those bricks. these are like
0: uh and the people that they are you know arch nemesis with um i feel like both of them they do exist like whatever true genuine like white supremacist and genuine but they're so so small i just could we just like put them all in a big public park and just let them let them fight it out (laughs) it's gonna be like 50 we, people go,
1: on we go straight we go straight hunger games on them i've already had this <laughs> idea you have like a big out you have a big stadium like set in the woods somewhere like in oregon or something right you know and you and you give half the stadium to the antifa and half the stadium to the proud boys you give them all the weapons they could ever want short of like nukes we don't want to give them nukes because yeah, it yeah. has you know bad consequences for the rest of us but yeah you know give them like fine you know rpgs and you know AK 47s and all the rest of it and let them go at it. Exactly. I'm all for fighting.
0: So, okay. So this, this election <laughs> stuff, so let's project into the future. Um, Cause I'm kind of, you know, my, my general take is that pretty much every election is probably full of shenanigans, but what, what really matters in the end is that there's sort of a rough agreement on one dominant dominant narrative. doesn't matter who actually actually got the most votes, but whatever, if, if the news says somebody wins, then everybody who plays the game just says, okay, I'm going to go along with it. I'm going to concede. And the public says, oh, we lost. We're angry, rah, rah, rah. But as long as everybody kind of go, goes along with it, no one needs to look too far into it. Because if you did, you could probably find a bunch of bullshit in every election. Mm-hmm. The idea that sure. you're going to get an accurate tabulation of election with this many million, hundred million people plus, it's just, like, it's absurd. Sure. But this time... It seems like Trump himself is like, nope, I refuse to accept the dominant narrative. And the dominant narrative is really strong because from what I can tell, there's like two realities emerging. I hear you telling me, seems like there's a lot of evidence of fraud. I hear a lot of other people tell me that. Mm -hmm. I go on Twitter and literally, or Facebook or anything, everything is scrubbed, scrubbed or warning labels, which makes it even creepier and weirder, right? Like I have no dog in this fight. But yeah. that fact alone makes me be like, what the heck is going on here? This is weird, right? Like yes. the president himself yes. is like, or, or like states are suing other states and going to the Supreme Court. And you're yeah. telling me nothing to see here, not allowed to talk about. That's just a weird, weird feeling. So Yep. What's going to happen? Like, what do you think is going to, there's all these dates, like the things keep moving forward and nothing keeps happening. So all these Trump supporters and all the crazy, like QAnon people keep saying, Mm -hmm. oh, it's all part of the plan. Just wait. But I just see a whole Mm -hmm. lot of nothing. I don't see any big protests. And I I, I, frankly, I don't think anything will happen. I think people will just accept the result and move on. You don't think so?
1: Uh, There's a hardcore team that Trump has led by Rudy Giuliani of all goddamn people, like one of my least favorite people in American politics. I mean, he's a true... He's a true authoritarian. Oh yeah. But he's I think he's right about this, unfortunately, same with Bannon, like I just I do not like these guys politics, but they're right. I think they got this this thing stolen from them. And they're filing lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit and it's about getting a judge who will actually hear the case and look at the evidence, right? And once that happens, once there's discovery in a lawsuit, oh, it's a new ball game. So I, and they're not going away. These are dogged, dogged people. They're not going away. So I think it's just going to be in the courts for a long time. And what comes out of these court cases, each time there's going to be some revelation, there's going to be a whole new wave of protests. Biden has like virtually, so Matt, again, who's going to be doing
0: the protesting though? You think the Trump
1: (laughs) people will be protesting? Yeah. And then there'll be counter protests against the emergent fascist threat, right? So that's going to continue in a way but i mean again think about being a liberal democrat right now right so you got 80 million people who hate your guts who think you stole the election okay and you're not going to win them over at all and they're going to be your mortal enemy throughout this but then you've got this guy and woman who represent everything you've been protesting against for years as your people and you've got to support them and like defend them and like apologize for them and make excuses for them for the next four to eight years that's a rough position i i'm almost um i'm almost sorry it, it almost reminds me around. of like
0: the old you know like in the ancient the medieval warfare technique like the siege of a city it's like now you just have to spend the next however long under siege just you're you're starved of resources and genuine like yeah. things you get excited about, and you're just like, oh my right. gosh, do we have to keep defending these walls?
1: <laughs> right. I mean, they could have picked so many other candidates who would not have given them this problem, like Bernie Sanders. Like they they could get fully behind him. You know, they could have gotten fully behind Elizabeth Warren. Probably they could have gotten fully behind like most of the other Democratic candidates, but they chose this guy who is arguably, and I think it's just demonstrable, more racist and worse for black people than Donald Trump ever could be. Well, it's funny because there's, you know, this is one of the things
0: that I hate about politics is there's like a person's personal aesthetic and and personal beliefs as far as you can tell them. And then there's Mm -hmm. the policies they pass. And of course the policies from politician to politician are rarely very different. Sometimes they are, but they're rarely very different. And the personal stuff, a lot of times it's conjecture. So like, I have no idea. The Biden policies are probably going to be totally moderate because he seems just like a totally made man. He's been carved by the beast of DC. He's going to do what DC wants. Right. But as a guy, and I don't follow this stuff, so I'm speaking just totally from an (laughs) outsider perspective. Yeah, He just seems like the old school, like white grandpa who says racist stuff that embarrasses you something. You know what I mean? He just said yeah. like aesthetically, I'm kind of yeah. shocked. Given that Trump, the thing people hated so much was like his aesthetic was exactly. so coarse. It's just sort of like, they're, oh, they're, like they're stu- Obama was smooth and cool, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, Bi- <laughs> Biden is the Democratic Trump. <laughs> Obviously, it's obviously that, yeah. And it's oh my god! You think he's been embarrassing so far? Just wait until he's in office. Oh my god, (laughs) with his brain failing. I mean, he's got. I I mean,
0: again, I don't watch speeches. I've just seen maybe maybe a half a dozen clips, like short clips, where there have been times where I I don't know, I don't think he's speaking English. It sounds like he's reading Finnegan's Wake or something. You know,
1: his brain is failing, and he's and he's got some racist tendencies in him. I mean, he does. He talks to black people like they're children. He's He scolds them. He likes to put them in prison. It's like, (laughs) he's he's got some problems. He said that you ain't black. If you don't vote for me, like that's definitionally racist.
0: I truly was like blown away by
1: that's definitionally racist, right? Black people think are supposed to think and vote in a particular way. What? Because of their race? Like what? It
0: was a comment like that. That makes it hard for me to understand what is the dominant narrative? Like what, what actually does that mean? Because I can just tell you on a gut level that the dominant narrative is you're not supposed to question the election results. You're supposed to be happy that Biden won. That's supposed to be good for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really know how to define where that came from because tweets like where Biden says, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's, that's public. Everybody's seen that. Mm-hmm. and it would, You would think that that would just shatter that narrative. Because there's no, you can't, how do you escape from that? You can't explain your way out of it. But somehow, whatever that narrative is, is more powerful than those observed facts. And I'm trying to like get my fingers around, what is that narrative? Like, where does that come from, you know?
1: It's good and evil. I said, it's the binary that we all all pretty much abide by. But Americans are very about binaries, good and evil, right? So if you're on the good team, you can lock up 2.3 million people, most of whom are black, and still be considered a good guy who just made a mistake. It's a mistake by a good person. Joe Biden is considered to be fundamentally a good person who has made some mistakes. Kamala Harris, same thing. Although I don't even think she's uh, considered to have been made mistakes because we're so ignorant about her actual career. Donald Trump, Republicans, conservatives, anybody associated with that side, anybody who like is not on the left, not a liberal, you're a bad person. And so you can be for ending all the wars, bringing all the troops home, opening the borders to every Latino to come into this country, which I am. Those are my positions and still yeah. be considered to be a bad guy. And, and by the way, empty, I want to empty most of the prisons, too, immediately. Uh, you know, I want to legalize drugs and release all those people. Um, no, I'm still a bad guy because I'm not on their team. So that means I'm a bad guy. And that's it. It's really that damn simple. If you don't wear a mask, same thing, you're evil and you're probably a Trump supporter. It all gets conflated, right? It all gets conflated. If you do one of these things, you're considered to be all of these things.
0: (laughs) A a friend of mine who's just very, very dominant narrative, uh, like whatever is, uh, even in sports, whatever ESPN says, that's what he believes about sports. Whatever (laughs) He said said something like, you guys are going to go vote or whatever. And I said, no, I don't vote. I don't like any politicians. And he said... You're so confusing. And I said, what's confusing about that? He's like, <laughs> so, so you're like a Trump supporter. I said, no, I don't wow. vote for anyone. I hate them all. And then like months later, wow, he was saying something about um, police brutality whenever. And I said, yeah, I, I hate cops. i find them like just horribly, like right. I, so much police abuse. It drives me nuts. Right. And he was like, man, you're so hard to figure out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just doesn't make sense, Isaac you don't make any sense.
0: So, so Thad, you're a historian. Yeah. Um, are we living in unprecedented times or is it like, nah, this is par for the course. History is full of crazy times like this.
1: I think Trump um, put his foot through the matrix, you know? Uh, mm. And I think uh, we've seen a lot of stuff that we can't unsee about how power actually operates in this country The Democratic Party right now, and again, I'm not saying anything on behalf of the Republicans, who I think are just a bunch of dumb shit, puritanical, (laughs) I don't know, semi-authoritarians. It's the most corrupt institution in our society right now. And it's the most corrupt Democratic Party, I think, in my lifetime. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Democratic Party on the local level has notoriously been corrupt for centuries, right, since the old machine bosses in the big cities, right? But these people, I mean Russia gate. Like we still haven't had an adequate rush uh, reckoning about Russia gate. That was horrendous. So, that, so was- that
0: was basically um a whole bunch of like probes and stuff accusing Trump related people of working with Russia to to like manipulate public opinion or something i never i was never really clear on what it was yeah
1: to, to do that so to win the election for trump and but more but, importantly
0: by the- doing what posting no, facebook but, posts
1: yes facebook posts which they did they did Yeah, they but post- how's that supposed to be a scandal like and by and by the way the facebook posts were hilariously ineffective and childlike childish i mean they didn't have any effect on anybody they were ridiculous and they spent like i don't know i think a million dollars or less on the whole thing no, it's absurd on its face. But no, no, more What's than the that. the scandal,
0: though, that, that a foreign government was spending money on ads for politics in a different country? Correct. Wh- which is like the CIA's whole reason for existing.
1: <laughs> the CIA used to, like, fly airplanes over, you know, Germany and Russia, like, dropping pamphlets out the windows of the <laughs> airplanes, you know, by the millions, <laughs> telling them, you know, to to revolt against their oppressive government, right? So. Yeah, um, but then, but more insidiously, it was that if you raised any questions about this, and you were hostile to the Democratic Party, you were labeled as a Russian asset. I Mm. was, I was called a Russian asset. Uh, Many outlets and publications I have written for and spoken for were put on literally a list of Russian controlled media. So it's like a red scare all over again. It was a it was McCarthyism. Yeah, it was absolutely. And that was, does terrible. Russia
0: even have money to pay for all these assets? <laughs> I mean,
1: not really. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, they're kind of a broke country. That's the You're other thing. Right. They're, a, they're a broke country that happens to have nuclear missiles. You know, <laughs> so, and then, but then, and then even more ominously, and this is really what's terrifying about this is when it becomes no longer a fun conversation. I mean, Tony Blinken, Anthony Blinken is. Biden's main foreign policy advisor. he's going to be the Secretary of State. Um, he said just a few months ago, it's amazing that he said this in public, he said he wants he wants more American boots on the ground in Syria. They want to take down they want to take down the Assad regime for real. And here's the thing, Isaac, the Assad regime in Syria is backed up and supported by who? Russia. There are Russian troops in Syria defending the Assad regime. so, what Tony Blinken, Joe Biden's foreign policy advisor, the future our next Secretary of State, is calling for is a war, a hot war, a shooting war, with Russia, because that's what that would entail. If we put American soldiers on the ground in Syria, whose mission is to overthrow the Assad regime, they will necessarily be fighting against Russian soldiers. This is very scary. This is very scary. On top of that, Syria and Russia are currently aligned with Iran, okay? So that's an alliance of major militaries, okay? On the other side, the United States is aligned with Saudi Arabia, who wants to do away entirely with Iran, with the Iranian regime, because they're Shia and Saudis are Sunni, and they're competing for control over the whole Middle East. Saudi Arabia is aligned with the United States, and the United States and Saudi Arabia are currently aligned with Israel. So you have the biggest military in the world, and then Saudi Arabia and Israel have two of the best air forces in the world. Israel certainly does. They have an extremely small but extremely effective military. But you have these two alliances of very powerful nations— who are on the verge of going to war if Joe Biden's Secretary of State has his way. And I'm assuming he's speaking for Joe himself when he says that he wants a war in Syria involving American troops actually shooting at people. And those people would include Russians and Iranians. So that's really scary. And I'm going to enjoy criticizing the Biden administration every single day, but I am really terrified of that, really terrified of that.
0: You know, my sort of very high level take of politics, which I deliberately exited years ago, is that at the state level, states are usually run by maybe about three different groups. And in Michigan where I was from, it was the teachers union, the auto workers union, uh, the telecom companies and the pharmaceutical companies. They were the par- uh-huh. they, they ran everything in the state. Not a single thing got by without AT&T, right. Comcast, the pharmaceuticals, UAW, and the teachers union. They, they ran right. everything. I think most states are similar, a similar mix. Yeah. At the federal level, it seems like pretty much all federal politics, it's worked. It's war. It's the war machine. It's the military. Yes. And at the end of the day, yes. that is the one thing you cannot defy. You can defy all kinds of different constituencies. You can be pro-gun, anti-gun, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, green. You can be pro-big oil. You can be all kinds of different things. That's right. But who always comes out on top? The military-industrial complex, uh, which I think is very tightly tied in with banking um, because you can't fund wars by just taxing people. You don't have enough money. You got to inflate the shit out of it. Yep. Uh, that apparatus, I mean, Randolph yeah. Bourne had it right, you know, war is the health of the mm-hmm. state. Like that's what yeah. it always comes back to. It always mm-hmm. comes back to that shit. And if you're not for endless wars, that system, the DC system, and you can look across the Potomac river from, from the mall. And all you see are skyscrapers with, with names of defense contractors on them,
1: that mm-hmm. system,
0: crystal city, Boston, all those Metro stops, they mm-hmm. will make sure you're you get the hell out of there so they can get back
1: to, you know, selling bombs to each other. That's the story of Donald Trump as the president. So, so you who, think he
0: was not for that system? You think he was kind of bucking the military industrial complex?
1: He was certainly scaring the crap out of them. And that's why. Who 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 led the opposition to Trump within the government? It was who? The CIA and the FBI. <laughs> Right. You know, that's So the masses of anti-Trumpers, they were concerned about his hair color and his and his model wife and all the politically incorrect things he said on Twitter, for sure. They don't even know about foreign policy. Right. They're not aware of it. But Trump, during the campaign, got up in front of groups of veterans in the South and said, we should never have these wars for regime change ever again. We should not have an American empire. We should not go into these places and stay forever. We should end the, fr- and then he, what has he been doing in the last few years? He's been actively reducing the troop levels in Afghanistan and Iraq and Afghanistan. He's trying to get out entirely. And what did the Democrats do? They blocked him in Congress.
0: Did, did I accurately hear that? That yeah. his, his generals said that they have been lying to him about how many troops were in some place.
1: The special envoy to Syria James Jeffries, who's a neocon, who Trump the idiot appointed himself to do this. This is Trump's problem. He like appoints these assholes who oppose his own foreign policy. But anyway, he was the envoy to Syria. He lied to the executive office to Trump himself about how many U.S. troops were in Syria <laughs> in order to keep the troops there. Wow, unprecedented! I've never heard of anything like that happening. That's treason. That's treason. That's treason. He should go to prison. I mean, according to the law, actually, he's eligible for execution. I want you to bring us home.
0: I want you to bring us home with this. Okay. How will history remember 2020?
1: Depends on who writes it. (laughs) Right. right? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it's. I, I assume. Trump will be written about like Andrew Johnson after the Civil War was written about, you know, as sort of this corrupt, racist screw up who had to get ousted, who got impeached and deserved it. And he always reminds me of Andrew Jackson. He's more Andrew Jackson, but I think he'll be thought of as Andrew Johnson because Andrew Jackson is still a hero. He's still on the currency, right? His face is still on the currency. Uh, Andrew Johnson is not he's the bad boy president of all time him and Nixon. I mean, he'll be he'll be compared to Johnson and Nixon, you know, the only two other presidents to be and Clinton to be impeached. So, um, but But that assumes that the cathedral, so to speak, uh, doesn't crumble
0: and still writes the history books
1: my thing is, I just want to make sure we get the COVID thing right. I want to make sure that we don't repeat this horrific experience again, you know, that the next time there's a pandemic that we lock down everybody when we know it only affects, you know, very particular specific parts of the population. You know, I can't go through this again, Isaac. I don't know what I'm going to do if we have another lockdown for a pandemic that lasts a year. I don't know if I can survive that. Um, I'm gonna have to find some weird corner of the world that's ignoring it. But I am really terrified. And we really got to tell this story, right. We've got to get this right. And so the next time this happens that we have a different response to it. That's what scares me. It scares me much more about how we view Trump in the future. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: battle, the battle is a narrative battle. And I think getting that narrative, right. I mean, you, you know that what we suffer from all the the false narratives about the past that still cause us pain today, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this COVID shit, we're living it right now. Yeah. It's, it's a narrative battle.
1: I know. So we got to work on that hard. That's what, it's a real, it's an actual threat to civilization. I agree. We are civilization right now is hanging by a thread because of this, you know, our economy is tanking because of this people's lives are being lost because of the lockdown. We just had a friend over last night who's single lives alone. She just broke down in tears. She was weeping in front of us because of her loneliness she spent Christmas alone. She spent Thanksgiving alone. She has spent the last 10 months alone, locked up in her house because she's so terrified of this thing because of what the media tells her. And she's healthy and she's middle-aged. She's not, in, she's not actually at risk. And that's many, many, many people. Um, it's really, really horrifying. It's affected all of us terribly, but some people more than others, but it's just the, the whole society, the entire society has just, it's vanished. There is no society. We're living in like some weird version of the Soviet Union now. You know,
0: we're not going to go down without a fight. You and me, all of us, uh, despicable, deplorable renegades and misfits.
1: Tennessee. We're going to meet up in Tennessee and form a militia.
0: We're going to keep it alive, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Right on. Thank you so much, man. We're going to have to do this again and catch up some more. You, you helped me learn more about politics in 30 minutes, half an hour, uh, than, uh, you know, I could have found by reading the news for a year or so.
1: Awesome. So glad I'll do this anytime for you. Thanks, brother. Peace.